Let's pray. Father, would you use this time? Would you, would you teach us in your word? Oh, Lord, let the words of my mouth that you don't intend to use, let them just fall away and people forget about them. But the things, oh, Lord, that you want us to grab onto, oh, plant those things in our heart and, and raise them up by the, by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Raise them up so that it bears fruit in our lives. Teach us, oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Maybe seated. There's so when I think of, of Lent and repenting and fasting and all, I'm I'm thinking about uh, what it is to be righteous. And I think I've always had this idea that righteousness has a lot to do with you know making sure your your hands are clean. But just in case anybody has to leave early before I, I get to the point, I'm going to go ahead and tell you the point of of what I think I've learned from Isaiah, that passage that we just read, is if, if your clean hands keep you from rolling up your sleeves, you've missed the point. I think we get so concerned with what it is to, uh, to, to try and apply Jesus' words about do things in secret and, and all that, that we tend to think that righteousness is something that we can attain almost in isolation from everybody else. But I think what I'm learning in, in Isaiah is you can't. That righteousness is something that, that comes from being involved, from getting involved, rolling up your sleeves and getting involved in somebody else's life and helping them where you can. It's not about just trying to keep myself from cussing or killing or stealing or, you know, all the other things that we're not supposed to do. There's, there's more. And, and, and God's complaint with the Israelites through Isaiah wasn't that they were keeping their hands clean. It was that they weren't rolling their sleeves up. And so I, I want to look into that uh, briefly today. This, Isaiah wrote some of his stuff before Israel was conquered and so many were taken off into captivity. He wrote some of his stuff after Israel was conquered and people were taken off into captivity. And one of the confusing things about Isaiah is it doesn't unfold in chronological order. That there are some parts that, I mean, it's, it's just been kind of mixed up. And, and so at the end of Isaiah, we have this passage from Isaiah 58. And really, you don't know if this was written before they were conquered, and there's a warning, or if it's written after. I mean, we think, okay, it's at the end, it must have been written after. But the way he starts it out, I, I think it was written before Israel was actually conquered. I mean, they, they know that there's somebody out there who wants to conquer them, and it, it worries them, it bothers them, but, you know, God has been telling them to repent and, and all for a long time. And they feel like they're repenting, but it's not having an effect. Let's just, let's just go ahead and get into it. Let's just start unpacking what's going on. So this, Isaiah 58, starting in verse 1, where our reading started, is God is speaking and, and really telling Isaiah, this is what I want you to say. 
and, and he says, shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud and don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. So I, I started asking questions like, why would God be telling them, you know, hey, you're, you're sinning. I mean, the, the implication is I want you to do something about that, right? And God continues, he says, but they're so pious. They act so pious. I mean, they come to the temple every day. They come to church all the time. They seem delighted to learn all about me. So that says to me, I mean, just I'm trying to figure this out. says if they're still coming to the temple, they haven't been taken off into captivity, right? So I think, okay, this is before they're invaded or at least before they've been completely conquered. You with me on that? Since they they they're they act pious. They they love coming to church and learning about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They asked me to take action on their behalf. So these are people who were praying. These are people who were going to church. They're going to temple uh, they they do delight in learning about God, right? They they act like, hey, you know, there's no way we'll ever turn away from God. I don't think, and you may have a different opinion. I don't think that God's going to make a case that they're being hypocritical, and that they're really just shining up on the outside, but really they're despicable on the inside. They're just putting on the face. I think these are people who are really doing what they know to do. Like I said, you can disagree with me on that, but I'll I'll bring that out. They ask me to take action on behalf, so they're praying to me. They pretend they want to be near me. Okay, that that says maybe they're putting on a little bit of a face. They they might be deceiving themselves, but they are doing good things. They are doing right things, and they think they're in good standing with God. Now, God may know better, right? Let's, let's all agree. God knows even things about your heart and mind that we don't know. Agreed? All right. So God, God knows better, but, but remember, these are people who think they're doing it right. So this is a warning for us. I mean, if you think you're doing it right, then you... You know, lean into this and start seeing how does God treat him? What does he say? If you don't think you're doing it right, I'm glad you're here. Lean in and, and see what God might say. Um, these are folks who are more concerned with kind of pleasing themselves and checking, out, checking off the checkboxes that they know about than they are with other things. Uh, they say these people, the Israelites, were coming to God and saying, Hey, God, we fasted before you. Why aren't you impressed? In other words, we're doing what's right. In, in fact, they know from their history that when they as a nation come before God and they fast, that God has worked on their behalf, you know, Second Chronicles 
Uh, chapter 20 is, is this whole wonderful story about Jehoshaphat finding out that there is a huge army on the border that's massing and getting ready to sweep through Israel and, and take over them. This, this army is down around the Dead Sea. It's in the southern part, and it's, it's actually three armies combined. And it's about to sweep through, and Jehoshaphat calls for a nationwide fast. And because he calls for a nationwide fast, people are coming from all over Israel, and they're coming into Jerusalem because they want to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat leads the revival, as it were. You know, and it, talks, it tells us what he prayed in the temple courts. He goes into the temple courts and in front of everybody and kneels down, and what he prayed. And it talks about how God worked and delivered them. You know, he sent them out, said, send your army out but you're not going to have to fight. And goes out, and, and because they go out and they're there, they start singing a praise song, and all the armies start fighting each other, and they kill each other off, you know, because they called a fast, and God moved. And so these are people that are saying, we're doing this. We're fasting, and, and it's not changing anything that's going on. This army is still coming. What gives? What gives? Why isn't this working? It worked for Jehoshaphat. Why isn't this working? What's going on? We've, we've been very hard on ourselves. And you don't notice it. I mean, we're, we're taking it to the extreme. When, when you didn't hear it first, then we started fasting. And when you don't, you're not changing anything yet. So we're, really, we're fasting longer and it's getting harder and... And, you know, we're repentant. We're sitting in sackcloth and ashes. I mean, we're, what else do we have to do? This is not a people who is just saying, ah, God schmod. You know, this is a people that they think they're doing right. So that's scary for me. If this people thinks they're doing right and it's not changing the circumstances, what? Gives. I mean, we can think we're doing right. We're, I mean, here we are. You're going to church. You're in church on a Wednesday. Who does that at noon? You know, and go to Sunday school and get the gold star and you signed up for the the small group study that we're doing. I mean, you're in. But sometimes it's it's not just about doing all the right things, even though it's a good thing to do all the right things, right? But sometimes it's that's not all that it's about. I mean, the Israelites thought they were in. And and God so God responds. He says, You have these questions? I'll tell you why I'm not impressed. I, God, responds. It's because you're fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. And what, what, what does that mean? Uh, the implication here is, yes, the people are fasting, but they're only really concerned about how is this going to affect me? Is this going to make my hands clean and therefore God won't make me pay a price? Another translation says it this way. It says, on the day of your fast, when you should be grieving for your sins... 
You find profit in your business, and instead of stopping all the work, as the law implies you and your workmen should do, you extort from your hired servants a full amount of labor. In other words, God is saying, if you, if you were really fasting and you cared about people, not just about you, you'd close down all the factories, you'd give everybody the day off so that they could fast. But you're not doing that. You're thinking about you and you're making them work. You see? Are you following? Okay. They aren't caring about others. Again, I don't think that God is rebuking them for being hypocrites. Well, you're acting all good, you know, but I know that your hearts are really evil. This isn't that rebuke. This is the rebuke of, okay, you're doing some good stuff, but you just care about you. You don't really care about your nation because you don't care about these people who are working and you didn't give them time off to fast. You want to be righteous, but this is keeping you from being righteous. You're, you're concerned with getting your own hands clean, but you're not helping anybody else do that. These people seem genuinely surprised that God wasn't responding to them. And they've been diligent to seek him. But I'm thinking maybe their hands were too clean. If they'd roll up their sleeves and get their hands dirty in the lives of other people, God wouldn't have this, this thing against them. He, he goes on. God goes on and says, hey, what, what good is fasting? What good is keeping your own hands clean when you keep on fighting and quarreling? In other words, what you're doing, it isn't changing what's going on between you and other people. This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance. Bowing your heads like reeds. Bending in the wind. Have you ever... uh, when I went to Israel, um, on the plane on the way over, when, when the sun starts coming up, the Orthodox will get up and they'll stand and they'll go through their morning prayers. And, and a lot of them are, are continually bowing because they want to continually be showing reverence to God. When we're at the, the Western Wall, a lot of, lot of folks, the Orthodox, are continually bowing. God says, I see you bowing. I know why you're doing it. It's because you you don't want to offend me. But for all the good it's doing you, it's, it's just like reeds bending over in the wind. You dress in burlap. You cover yourself with ashes. Is this really what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please me, says the Lord? I think that that there's a, a condition of our hearts that matters to God and it has to do with getting beyond ourselves. That yes, God wants us to have clean hands and a pure heart. Agreed? Does God want you to have clean hands and a pure heart? Yes. But if you're doing it in isolation, you're missing something. Jesus said, all of the law and the prophets, if you boil it down and get to the bottom line message, what's the message? 
The two greatest commandments. One, love God and love your neighbor. It says, it's in, and they're equal. It says, if you're spending all your time loving God, getting your hands clean, trying not to do anything wrong, and, and loving God that way, but you're forgetting about loving your neighbor, you're missing it. You're missing it. God goes on. He says, no, this is the kind of fasting I want. And everything that God says he wants deals with you and I helping other people. It has none of it has anything to do with this is how you need to keep your own hands clean. Everything is about this is how you need to roll up your sleeves. It says, free those who were wrongly imprisoned. Does that have anything to do with you? No, it has to do with them. I want you to do something on their behalf. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. That's not about keeping your own hands clean. That's about rolling up your sleeves because of their burden. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind people. You see, every one of those has to do with other people, doesn't it? Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. These aren't things that you can do in isolation, are they? Oh, I'm going to close my doors and I'm going to get holy. I'm going to quit watching that TV program and reading that book and thinking those thoughts. I'm going to get holy. God is saying, hold on. If that's all you're doing, hey, I'm glad your hands are clean, but you're missing the love other people part. Give clothes to those who need them. Don't hide from your relatives who need help. Uh-oh, now he's, he's gone from preaching to meddling. I mean, all, all of us, uh, up until that point, I mean, can't all of us say, oh, yeah, we need to help other people in our lives. But my relatives who need my help, <laughs> really? God cares about that? Yeah, God evidently does. He said, then... Then, if you're rolling up your sleeves, taking care of other people, then your salvation will come like the dawn. Then I'm going to deliver you. Then, all of these armies that are massed against you, I'll do something about that. You'll be delivered. Your wounds will quickly heal. And by the way, as an aside, and I could preach a whole sermon on this, if you take care of other people, your wounds will heal. Wow. Dwell on that for a little bit. Then your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. God wants us to move forward for the sake of others. He'll take care of us. He'll he'll be our guardian. He's got our back. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I'm here. He will quickly reply. Again, yes, God wants you to have clean hands, but he wants you to roll up your sleeves with them. Remove, he says, the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading rumors. Ooh. Feed the hungry. Help those in trouble. 
then your light will shine in, out from the darkness. And darkness around you will be as bright as noon. All the things that are bringing darkness in your life. This army that's about to overrun your country. Then you won't have to worry about it. The Lord will guide you continually. Giving you water when you're dry. Restoring your strength. You'll be like a well-watered garden. An ever-flowing spring. Righteousness evidently doesn't seem to only reside in not sinning. I mean, we, I've thought this, you know, I've, I've thought if, if I need to be righteous, it's all about what I don't do. And I, I take on, you know, I make sure I'm doing quiet times and, and all that. But I've thought about it in terms of I can do it in isolation. I mean, yeah, don't lie about other people. Don't hurt them. But I wasn't thinking about helping them and that that's part of righteousness. It, it's a matter of loving others, isn't it? God's complaints about these people were not that they were doing good on their own. It's that they weren't doing good for others. That's why they were facing the consequences. Don't just think of righteousness and holiness as keeping from getting infected by somebody else's sin cooties. The heart that we should be trying to develop in ourselves is is the one that cares more for other people than it does about us staying pure. Stay pure, please. But don't sacrifice other people so that you can be pure. People need help. I mean, every time you look at someone else and you're thinking thoughts like this, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm saying it's a dangerous, slippery slope place to be. If you're thinking things like, well, I'm glad I didn't do that. Or, frankly, I just hope they don't come back. They're not the kind of people we want. I'm glad I'm not like them. Um, how can they act that way? Why, why can't they just settle down and act right? Anytime you're thinking stuff like that, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm saying you're in danger of really missing the point. It's better to get involved and help them. Because, they, they don't, you know this here, well, I'm... Getting ahead of myself. But this year at All Souls, we've said that in order for us to live out our, our, our mission to know Christ and to make him known, we really need to get better at the making him known part. We need to bring this, the community into God's family. Guess what? The community doesn't act like God's family. They don't, they, they don't know. They haven't signed up for it. They live in, in ways that you probably ha- have learned that's not the way you want to live. They, but they don't know Jesus. And they haven't made a commitment to live as Jesus would want them to live. And so I think it's an easy reaction for us to have to say, mm, I just don't want to get involved. 
you know, if I'm, I'm going to have to be around some things that are really not just distasteful, but, but they're wrong. If, and, and I'm not sure I can be around something that's that wrong. I mean, it's easy to do that. But again, how will they know unless somebody goes to tell them? Right? I remember being, this is way off. Why do I feel like I'm, I'm getting, getting your spirit here? I was, uh, I had to go to the airport to pick somebody up once. And the plane was delayed and all that. So I found myself just sitting there. And the, the people that were sitting closest to me, I really honestly think they were in a gang. I really do. I think they were in a gang. They were just waiting. These are the days that you could go down to, uh, to the gates. And they were sitting there at the gates, and they were waiting on somebody, too. It became clear. And we ended up starting to talk. And, you know, what do you do and all, all this kind of stuff? Well, they didn't tell me what they did. But I picked up on some of it, right? But let me tell you what. The language that they used, I would be embarrassed to have my mama anywhere around, you know? And the way that they looked at life was just, oh. But you know what? They didn't know any better. And we actually had a fairly delightful talk for about 45 minutes. But I had to realize they don't know any better. Now, if one of you were doing that and talking like that, I'd come up to you and say, hey, you ought to know better. But they didn't. And so I didn't make a big deal about it. And you know what? We connected. And when, when I started saying things like, they're like, well, what a blanket blanket do, do you do? And I'm like, well, I do a lot of stuff in the church. And, just, you know, and boy, that was an awkward conversation for them. But we connected, you know. Don't let clean hands keep you from rolling up your sleeves and getting involved in somebody else's life. Um, People have wrong values. They have wrong perspectives. They don't act right. God, who did Jesus spend his time with? He, he, yeah. And, And all the folks who had clean hands kept pointing at him and saying, look at what you do. And he just kept rolling up his sleeves. He loved them. He helped them. He set them free. He talked with them. That's the kind of fast that God wants. If your righteousness can only be lived out in isolation, then you've got a wrong sense of righteousness. God goes on to tell him, said, some of you are going to rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Now, that was a backhanded compliment because that was telling them right there, your cities are going to be ruined when this army comes through. They're going to be deserted because there's nothing left standing. But you'll be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. If you can get this together, if you can start rolling up your sleeves and being willing to get your hands dirty, by loving other people, wherever they're at, you're going to have a heritage. And you're going to avoid a lot of trouble. 
Fasting is temporarily denying yourself something good to intensify your need for something greater. Fasting is to temporarily deny yourself something good to intensify your need for something greater. Like food. Food is a good thing. And you can temporarily deny your need for food to intensify your need for something greater. And that's God and the heart that he wants to plant in each and every one of us. And if we're going to bring the community into God's family, yes, have clean hands, but use them to roll up your sleeves and get to work. Um, What might you give up or take on to help you develop that kind of a heart? What might you give up or take on to help you develop that kind of a heart? That may be the thing that you need to consider for fasting this Lent. Clean hands, rolling up their sleeves. Amen.